This episode is sponsored by Cocoon Weaver. Keeping a voice journal is becoming increasingly popular. It's easy and feels natural and many cocooners use the app as a dream journal or use Cocoon Weaver in therapy. Self-talk plus recording can create mindful headspace. It means you can capture your thoughts in a secure way, which not only helps general mental well-being, but can alleviate mental health conditions like burnout, bipolar disorder, depression, ADHD and anxiety, which is what we're talking about today. It decompresses emotional states. Several studies suggest that people with anxiety, including social anxiety, could benefit from engaging in self-talk. Self-talk can help distance them from their distressing feelings and processes and regulate or analyse these emotions to help reduce anxiety. It can also help us control our behaviour by allowing people to remember, work through their thoughts and generate perspective. And it can improve our memory and creative thinking. The advice for self-care today is endless and can be yet another overwhelming job for women. Every episode, we trial a different self-care practice, live it to the letter for a week and report back to you on the results. Will it actually improve your well-being or will it be another waste of your time? We test out self-care so you don't have to. Welcome to Self-Care Club. enjoying this show please show your support and hit the subscribe button now this means you'll always be notified when a new show is released and it helps us to grow and to keep bringing better content and guests your way and if you love the show please come join us at our private facebook group too where all the conversation happens link is in the show notes the theme for mental health awareness week 2023 is anxiety one of the most common mental health problems that people face six in ten adults feel this way at least some of the time By focusing on anxiety for this year's Mental Health Awareness Week, we can increase people's awareness and understanding of the issue by providing information on the things that can help prevent it from becoming a problem. To assist us this week, we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Anna Martha, who joins us again after appearing on our show on toxic positivity. Anna is a psychotherapist who is widely celebrated for accessible mental health advice and the light bulb moments which she offers across her platforms, including Instagram, her best-selling books and her podcast, The Therapy Edit, and her motherhood platform, The Mother Mind Way. Anna is a mum of three young children and was inspired to write her first book, Mind Over Mother, following her own experience with challenging emotions during the early years. She equips mothers with tools and knowledge on how to look after their emotional well-being and gain more happiness throughout motherhood and beyond. And this is what she had to say. Anna, welcome back to Self Care Club. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it last time, so I've been excited. I haven't got that same kind of nervous feel when it's the first time. Oh my so God, how could friends. you be nervous of us? We're the least intimidating people ever. <laughs> we you said are. that before. I said, I'm actually so looking forward to this chat. And Lauren said, well, it's because we know her now, so therefore we yes. can just enjoy it. It makes a difference, I think, second time around. Thanks for having me back. So we're talking about anxiety um, on behalf of Mental Health Awareness Week. And we wanted to start with the question of what are some common signs that tell you that you are suffering with anxiety? So some common signs. I have so much personal experience. I can just think about my own experiences of anxiety as well as all the clinical knowledge that I have. But kind of racing thoughts, thoughts that just spiral. So often it comes from one thought. I like to think of it as like a 2D, couple of black black and white words printed on a page um, one of mine recently is, oh gosh, I lie in bed and I think someone's someone's going to die. Like no one in my life is seriously ill right now. It's coming. 
it's coming. And then I start thinking, so that's the black and white thought. It's like someone, something bad's going to happen. And then I start turning those 2D words into a whole kind of technicolor football, 4D, 5D, 60 theater. And it spirals. Oh, and my, oh, yeah. You know that? Nice. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I, do. I really do. I do. You do do that. Yeah. You know that as well. Heart yeah. starts, yeah. heart starts racing, feels stuck, feeling quite agitated feel like you can't kind of pull those thoughts back from where they're going you start feeling kind of bits of grief and fear and horror and yeah yes and it kind yes. of could it can take over so it goes from that one thought and it unravels along with our you know sense of general well-being and rest and peace and sleep that we were hoping to have it's normally for me in bed in the dark so those are some symptoms i think what happens, if, what happens if you get to a place where you just leave all that anxiety completely untreated? You just don't address it. You just let it happen and it goes on for months, maybe years. What happens to someone? We get really robbed. We get robbed of the ability to enjoy what's in front of us, the good times. I think when we are really entrenched in anxiety, we can literally feel like we're living in a waiting room of bad things happening. Like we're oh. just living in this space where you're bracing yourself and you can physically feel it sometimes. You know, we end up really tensing in our bodies. You know, we're bracing ourselves for that thing to happen and we can make decisions based on that. So we can make kind of, we can live from that self-defense. You know, I'm just trying to protect myself. I'm just trying to defend myself against the pain, the potential pain. And we can start making different decisions. So unaddressed anxiety at one point in my life for me around driving looked like not driving. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I am, point I am currently, I am currently suffering. Yeah. Anna, did you know? Did I you swear know I did not email her first. I swear to God, this is unbelievable. No, I didn't know that, but it's so common because I think when we're driving, it really takes us to that point of we're at the mercy of a lot that we can't control. And also we are controlling something quite powerful. So we're also at the mercy of ourselves. <laughs> And it can, it can just, yeah, it can just really kind of consolidate some of these anxieties. It's quite a common focus for anxiety. And, and it's one of those things that we can avoid. How bad did yours get? I didn't drive 10 years. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I, I, so, so bad that I would have at the very thought of going on the motorway, I would have a panic attack. I, the times within that period that I had, I did try to drive, I had to get off, um, and I would panic and I couldn't drive anymore. I would walk miles in the pouring rain, pushing double buggy up hills so that I didn't have to drive. Wow. I really and did it. Did that get worse and worse? I mean, did it start with something and then build into I cannot drive at all? It just, it's it started with a feeling and it would be intrusive thoughts. So I'd get intrusive thoughts about crashes happening. I'd think that I was in someone's blind spot on the motorway and that they were moving over. There were times when I just, yeah, I just felt so much fear. And a lot of it was things that could happen. None of this happened to me. Mm. So it was, it just kind of grew. And then I think the more I avoided it, the more it became a thing. And then it was harder to address it. And the more anxiety, even thinking about it, it produced for me. So I became incredibly avoidant. But this is why I love talking about anxiety because there's so, so much hope. 
I don't I don't have that. I don't have like the fear of anything in particular. Mine is completely unwarranted and and came out of nowhere. And I will drive. I will drive everywhere, but I won't do motorways or very fast roads. So I've so you won't that. drive it. You won't drive everywhere. I mean, you won't I'll drive do everywhere. my normal drives, yeah. but I wouldn't do motorway drives. And and I've got definite fear around it. But I am desperate to know how you've helped yourself. Mm. What did you yes. do? Yeah. So I think when we avoid these things, it builds up that you know it it firms that narrative of this is this is bad, this is scary, this is dangerous, and we just try and protect ourselves by not doing it. And it became more and more restrictive to me. This is what anxiety often does, is that we avoid it so much that it becomes so restrictive. And we start realizing what we're missing out on. We start seeing other people do these things confidently, whether it's stepping into new social situations or getting on an airplane and going on holiday. And we see their holiday photos and we think, I could have that, but I can't. Or I see a friend just confidently driving off like two hours away to go and visit family. And I think "I, I could do that, but I can't. I wish I, and we just start noticing, it starts, we start feeling that kind of uneasy feeling of actually this, it's costing me more now than what it's, than than the energy that I was putting in to try and protect myself from the potential badness of whatever that was. And I think I got to a point and it was probably on one of those rainy walks with my kids. And I thought I could have done this journey in five minutes, but I'm dragging my kids in the rain. They're hungry, they're grumpy, I'm exhausted. And I think I just started realizing that the cost of avoiding that was, yeah, it was it was getting too much. So what what we have to start doing is starting to re rewrite that narrative, start to experience, starting to nudge ourselves, nudge our comfort zones little by little, so that we're we're finding new proof that it isn't always bad. It's not going to always end badly. And I, I wish there was another way of doing it. I wish there was another way of addressing these things and actually facing them, but that is the most powerful way to do it. And it can take time. So for me, it was a commitment to drive every day. I had some kind of lessons to go on and off the motorway and I went on and off and on and off and on and off until it was boring. Mm. And when something becomes boring, Mm. that's a good point because you're no longer, there's no longer fear anymore. So it was a process and it took a lot of kind of very conscious decisions, but I had an end goal. I wanted to get in the car without it feeling like a massive emotional fraught deal. And now I do. Now you do. And it's fine. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm jealous. Thank you. It's honestly. And and I admire you. You're (laughs) jealous. I've got a a one hour session. I'm going to send that to you. but yeah, there's just, and it, you know, we can apply this to so many things, social anxiety. It's about kind of nudging. How can we be gentle with ourselves so that we're not going all out? If I'd have decided I'm going to drive to Scotland on the first go, you know, I may have hit a hurdle a few miles down the road and, and stopped. And, you know, it's, it's about kind of how can we be gentle and that kind of loving firm with ourselves? Mm-hmm you know, kind of parenting our inner child that's going, I don't want to do this, I can't do this. And being that, like parenting ourselves and going, come on, we know that we want this. We, we're we going to just do it gently. We're not going to go full on. We're just going to nudge it. Yeah. And what would you say about other types of anxieties? Because sometimes it's not about something, is it? So I know that people have certain situations that make them anxious, but what if they're just experiencing anxiety? They wake up that morning and they can feel that lump in their throat or that panic in their chest. How can they get on top of that 
throughout the day? Like what are some coping mechanisms around that? Yeah, so we call this generalized anxiety when it's not necessarily focused on a certain phobia or a particular fear, but it's that kind of simmering sense of uneasiness and we can find our thoughts spiraling. We can find our body sometimes just go moving into that place of that hypervigilance, so that kind of increased heart rate and that fidgetiness, and we might not even know what sparked it. So what I would say is start working on your anxiety when you when you're not actually feeling anxious so grounding techniques you know because often what's happening our body feels a threat our body feels like something bad's about to happen so how can we just calm our nervous system down so we're not living i think many of us because we're a bit stressed and a bit strung out we're juggling so much we're living at this kind of high base level of stress many people teetering on the edge of burnout so our body is already in that heightened state So therefore, it becomes very easy to tip over. So how can we look at the bigger picture of our lives? Are we rushing around the house? I don't know about you. I find myself running up and down the stairs. I don't need to be. But what I'm telling my body when I'm doing that is something's happening. We need, we need, there's a reason we need to be running right now. So my body's going, okay, okay, right, off we go. And then your heart rate's elevated. Your body is under stress. You know, so how can we just try and slow down a little bit in the way that we're moving, in the way that we're talking, sometimes in the kind of movement, the exercise that we're doing? Is there some kind of down regulating, more gentle exercise we can do when we're feeling heightened like this, rather than just like the hit, go, 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 get your sweat on? You know, it's how can we how can we kind of nurture and calm our bodies so that that base level isn't so heightened to start with? I have a new um, thing that I do now when I get into that state, like in Mm. the mornings, I'm unloading the dishwasher, but then the shopping arrives, but then the washing machine beeps at me, but then the dog wants to go. So, and then you find yourself doing all of it and then nothing finishes. So I actually just stop and I tell myself like a child, one thing at a time, finish the task, all the tasks will get done. And I just stop and I'm very meticulous about starting and finishing each day is much better. Yes, because it's stress, you know, and stress and anxiety show, and actually excitement as well, which can be a bit confusing, show up in the same way in our body. It's the Mm. same kind of nervous system response. So if we're not feeling anxious, but we're feeling stressed, how can we just, you know, do some things that just take the pressure off? So the one thing at a time, multitasking does not service. It is stressful on our minds and our bodies it feels super productive but it is a stressor and there are loads of other things like and people don't necessarily want to make some of these lifestyle tweaks but coffee I love coffee I have my two cups and then I switch to herbal and I love them just like my mascara you're not taking those away from me Um, (laughs) but you know those coffee puts our body in a state of physiological anxiety yeah and another one is alcohol it, it makes our nervous system, it, it basically, it dulls our nervous system. But what it's doing, and our nervous system, because it's depressed, as in like imagine a spring that you've kind of pushed down. That's what happens to our nervous system when we drink. So it kind of feels like we're super chilled. But actually, our body is going crap. Our life-saving mechanism has been squashed. I need to make it hypersensitive so that if anything bad happens. So it's kind of like a reactive. Our body responds by making our nervous system even more sensitive so when that alcohol wears off our nervous system like the coiled spring goes ping and then we wake up in the morning and we're feeling edgy 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Noise is louder. Yes. Stress is more stressful. You might not feel hungover. You don't get that. Oh, I cannot I tell you. Mm. Alcohol plays havoc with me. Yeah. And so I don't really drink a lot. I mean, I'll drink if I go to a party or, but I on it always wake up after having drunk and I feel anxious. Like, like I've done something that I shouldn't have done or I'm not quite sure. And then I replayed the evening and I think. But you're never drunk. You're never like out of control drunk. You have a few drinks. But that's, but yeah. that's, yeah, but it's the what I was saying. It's shutting back. my nervous system mm. down. That, that's why it's happening. It kicks back. So this, you know, again, that nervous system hypersensitivity that our body goes into when we and this happens, you know, when we've had an alcoholic, any, any level of alcohol, our nervous system says, crikey, I need to be on guard here. I'm going to have to like double up so that, you know, I can be used because it can save our lives, our nervous system. So it's just stuff like this that I think can find us at that slightly heightened base level of a bit frazzled so that anxiety you know, it's just more readily we we move into that state more readily. Have yeah. you seen in your practice um, like anxiety, the numbers of ang- anxious people? Has it gone up? Yeah. Are, like, um, are we are most of us struggling with some form of anxiety? Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think we find it so much more to harder to slow down and also allow space in our brains. You know, the 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 speed to which we pick up our phones, the speed to which we listen to turn the music on like how often do we have quiet in our lives I think we find it really hard to have quiet um, because everything's just coming at us so we have to intentionally find it but then as a result I think our brains don't really know what to do when there's stillness so what do we do we just start ruminating we start thinking something it's like we need white noise all the time of our thoughts even if there isn't anything coming into our ears so we find it hard to find stillness because we're so overstimulated. So yeah, I think anxiety kind of creeps in as well. It's like this kind of horrible filler. Mm, yeah. Do you think mm. that if you're an anxious person, you know, you've always been an anxious person, is that something you can overcome? Or are you just always going to be an anxious person who manages it? And also, is that hereditary? Can you pass that down to your children? I think we can learn that we love through worrying about people so it's you know if we've had mothers that are like just kind of worrying a lot about and you, we think well that's what that's what love is you just worry about people all the time and you you know you you yeah you kind of play out all these scenarios and you want to protect them and you want to save them from bad things happening and and that can feel like a form of kind of wonky love i i think we we learn that worry and anxiety can be like this background noise I think, can we not be that person if we are that person? I think it's very, very possible to find a new level of calm and stillness in our minds. It's hard to unlearn it. Sometimes anxiety is a coping mechanism because it might be easier to ruminate over this one bad thing happening than actually deal with journey through grief. That is very real. Mm -hmm. You know, so sometimes Mm -hmm. anxiety can... Yeah, it can be a weird comfort blanket because even though we know we don't like it, it's familiar. We like familiar stuff. We did a whole practice last week on exactly that, like uncovering what else was going on. You know, Mm. if we weren't anxious, how would we be feeling? And my God, it was so interesting, Mm. wasn't it? Because Mm. I would say 100% of the time, neither one of us were actually anxious. It was just a cover up for just another 
perhaps more difficult emotion that we had to struggle our way through it was fascinating it's yeah. made me think about um my mum when she lost her husband after 20 years she was obviously grieving but her grief presented as acute anxiety and my mother and it's just it's not her she's never been an anxious person she's not anxious I'm not it's not a thing in our family and she could not understand she became almost agoraphobic she had this and everything was too much you know she would make dinner for 10 people it was nothing she just couldn't even make dinner for three people it was so acute and it and it made her so upset because she couldn't understand where this sudden onset of acute anxiety came from and of course it was grief. it was grief but it was yeah. at that time kind of put aside or put in another box and it presented as anxiety it was very interesting and it passed yeah. you know it will pass Good. through but it's it's very interesting so anna with all yes. that said we are very much looking forward to what our practice is of the week which you have very kindly agreed to give to us Yes. So the practice is that when you start noticing and that the the more you do this, the earlier on in the process of, you know, the car whizzing down the hill and getting away with you, the, the better it is. So you start noticing that you are in one of these spirals. So you've taken these 2D words, black and white on a page, and you started turn them, turning them into theatre. So when that, when you, as soon as you notice that happening, start counting back from 100 in threes because you cannot do both at the same time so it's a way of interrupting that rumination so start doing that and then a little mantra one that I love is I am here this is real and literally looking around me looking at the kids that in my head I'm suddenly losing and I'm there's all this horrendousness going on in my head I look at them and say I am here this this around me is what is real. I might touch something, feel a fabric, you know, whatever it may be, but it's the interruptive technique, count back from 103s and then state, I, I, I am here now. This is real because our thoughts are off over there somewhere into a future that hasn't and may never happen. Nice. Can I, can I give it a bit of context? If you can give us an example, do you mind? So if right. it's with yeah. Lauren and the driving, for example, is this helpful for that particular situation? Yeah. So if with the driving, I think if it's a more physiological feeling, so if it's less of the rumination and the thoughts, then a deep kind of a deep exhale and saying, I'm here, this is real. If if you can identify what the fear is with that it's the long exhale that really tells your body that you're safe. So if you're, if instead of the, the thoughts, it's more physiological. So you haven't got a lot of racing thoughts, but you're just feeling that general sense of panic. Inhale deeply and exhale longer, very simply. So inhale for four, exhale for six, whatever makes you feel like you're not going to faint. We don't want that, especially in the no. car. No, no, no. So something like that is just addressing the physiological effects of anxiety. It's like you're, it, you're saying to your body, you you're safe you're okay so the counting back from a hundred in threes is more for the racing thoughts the intrusive yes. thoughts and then yep. the grounding of i am here this is real is more for the physiological side of anxiety yeah it just Great. brings brings your thoughts back to now love it I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. As always, thank you for being 
in the club. We love having you. Will you come back on Friday and give our listeners their challenge of the week? Yes, please. I would love to. Amazing. Thank you. And if people want to find you, Anna, where can they do so? Anna Martha on Instagram is where everything kind of springs out from. So go over there and you'll find find things and resources and stuff as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Horizon Studios. If you're traveling this year and looking for high quality, sustainable and beautifully designed luggage, then look no further than Horizon Studios, who've launched two new ranges. The RE series, the world's most sustainable 97% recycled luggage, and now the revolutionary Air series, the world's lightest high-end suitcase. If you have airport anxiety, worrying about the weight of your case when it goes on those scales, then the Air Series is for you and it is definitely for me. The Air Series pushes the boundaries of travel. Each detail is designed and engineered to combine an ultralight and durable product. It's significantly lighter than regular suitcases. Thank goodness, Lauren, that is brilliant. And it comes with a lifetime warranty because the most sustainable suitcase is the one that you only buy once. We used the cases to go to Paris and Wales last year, and as chronic overpackers, we could still wheel them around with ease. We could. Ultra light and compact, the Air Series is made from a premium polycarbonate hard shell with reduced thickness and a recycled lining. It's 100% vegan and produced in a way that is 99% waste-free, blending design and function seamlessly. So, Nicole, you can pack those extra five pairs of shoes with no stress. The entire range is available on the Horizon Studios website and in all leading department stores. Just go to www.horizon-studios.com. Horizon Studios. Let's go further. Well, she was fab as usual. She's always fab. Yeah. Loved her practice. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really helpful. Uh-huh. We're in week two of anxiety. How are you feeling about the second week of anxiety that you must be in your element? Mm, <laughs> not so much in my element. No. You want to tell us anything else? No, no that's it. That's the show. Thank you. Um, well, I'll play you my first voice note and I think that will help you understand what's been going on in my little world. Fortunately, what's happened is all this chatting with Anna and all this focusing on the driving anxiety has kind of brought it all back again, um, which is sort of counterproductive to what we're doing because I've just done the normal fast route that I was getting very comfortable with to Josh's school from Nicole's house and because I was thinking so much about the conversation we'd had because we'd just had it and it was raining and there were some trucks on either side of me I started to feel a bit anxious so that wasn't great um and now Of course, because my anxiety is up a little bit from doing this journey, I'm now worried that it's going to knock on for the rest of the week. Did you do the technique? Yeah, I did. Of course I did the technique. And? It was quite helpful, but I think it was just so prevalent in my mind because we'd just been talking about it all afternoon. and then We've been talking about it for two weeks. I know, and then we finished talking about it and then I got straight in the car. So... No, it wasn't great. Well, did you do the counting back from 100? 
I didn't do the counting back from 100 because I was trying to concentrate on the driving. And so I what thought, did you do? I did the breathe in for two, breathe out for four to tell my body that it was safe. And it helped? Yeah. Great. Yeah, it did. Great. Okay. I'm playing. You're being very tight-lipped. I, I mean, this is good. I'm you playing. had anxiety. You did what Anna suggested. It worked. I don't see what the problem is. I'm playing my second one. Okay. So I just wanted to weave on the Cocoon Weaver app a conversation that I just had with my mum, which was actually quite enlightening. She was asking what we were doing this week and I was explaining how it was mental health awareness and we were doing a double show on anxiety. And she said, oh, that must be not a thing for you because you're not an anxious person. And I said, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not an anxious person, but I do have this, you know, this driving thing. And I explained it to her and she said, oh, I had absolutely no idea that this was a thing for you you know that I have a similar thing I was like what no this was I had not heard this before she said yeah you know I never really enjoy driving on motorways I get on with it and it's fine but she said it's not really about the driving for me it's about routes that are unknown I don't like the unknown oh little bells ringing in my head I'm definitely my mother's daughter so she was telling me about how she never used to like the drive to my brother's old house because there was this junction you had to turn at and it was a funny junction. I knew exactly the one she meant. And I just found the whole thing very enlightening that we were very similar and that neither of us had any idea that the other had the same issue. Early classic. Wow. Mm. Does that happen a lot? Uh, yeah, a lot. A lot. We all want to know how you've gotten on with the practice. Not great. But, well, you just said it worked before. I found it interesting that I hadn't even told my own mother about this issue. I mean, I love that I've now told whoever tunes into this podcast, but I hadn't told my own mother. That's classic. Also found it interesting that she had never expressed that to me, although she suffers from a similar thing. And also found it interesting that she said it was about the unknown. And you tell me at least once a week, I don't like stepping into the unknown. You don't. And I'm wondering if that is part of this. Do you remember when we were in the, at the Dreaming and you were very unsettled until you, you had to go into every room in the house? Yeah. And it was a big house. Yeah. And so it kind of took like, I mean, it wasn't our house, so we couldn't just walk in. And you said, I remember, I think it was the next night at dinner, you said to one of the ladies, I, I, I've got to go and see the room. I just need to ground myself know where everything is and i'll feel a lot better i needed to navigate myself yeah yeah and there's a lot there's a lot in there about knowing i do being that informed with, mm, i do it with hotels and i do it if ever i go away you can't go into every hotel room no not every hotel room but i mean i need to know where's the restaurant where's the pool where's the beach i need to i also like to know that i do i don't feel settled until i know where it, i am and where everything is yeah yeah very important to me yeah I don't know why and I don't know quite how that links to the driving but it does it feels like it does it, it definitely does yeah mm. so that was that uh then then we move on wanted to do a recording whilst I'm still in the car so it's Sunday evening and uh Zach my middle son has got football training and Ollie is in the middle of jet washing the patio so it was kind of just down to me to get in the car and take him have done this journey once before but tonight i took a different route i don't know why and that involved two roads that i did not like the look of 
little bit fast and also unknown and also there was a junction that I wasn't sure about. So whilst I was driving, I listened very intently to Lewis Capaldi and I took two breaths in and out for four and I just sort of kept doing that a few times and reminding myself, hey, you really enjoy driving. Hey, you are fine. This is fine. Anyway, I've dropped him off and now I'm about to do the drive back. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not dreading it, but I'm not looking forward to it. But I am okay. I am okay. So I just wanted to make this recording now whilst I'm still in the moment. Great. Mm. The two in for two and out for four seems to really help you. And also, I know she said about telling yourself, I am here, this is real. Well, I was very aware that I was here and this is real. But I felt I needed to say to myself, you enjoy driving. You are fine. Look how you're fine. See how you're okay. Mm. Like just give just myself whatever it is. It's just a grounding technique. Yeah, that's all it is. Is whatever grounds you. Just give myself that little bit of reassurance. So this is my last voice note. Okay, here's the scoop. I got home. I did make a little bit of a wrong turn. I also got beeped by somebody. But you know what? Nobody dies from getting beeped at. So it was fine. I sucked it up. I did like two fast roads. And I don't want to go as far as to say I'm feeling proud of myself, but I do feel satisfied that I made the journey and I'm probably going to have to do this journey most Sundays, so I've got to just get used to it. And hopefully the more I do it, the more used to it I'll get. So I'm calling this a small victory. As you should. A little one. And do you think the breath work helped? Yes, I definitely did it and also talked myself into the fact that the more I did it the more I would feel safe in my body mm. whether that was placebo whether that was real doesn't matter no just needs to help yeah also didn't matter just the the constant doing of it and I really did it for most of the drive back and you know I did the journey yay me yay you well done thanks no counting back from 100 no I didn't do that okay I felt that was too much on top of driving it's a lot. I didn't want to do it whilst dry. I would. I think I would do that if I was sitting still somewhere, feeling anxious, or had like a spinning brain. But I didn't really want to try and concentrate on driving and concentrate on counting back from a hundred at the same time. Okay, know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Okay, okay. Now, please share. It's one of those days where I feel like I need to do the counting back from a hundred every four minutes. Which it takes me about four minutes to figure out what counting back from 103 is. Get very stuck on the 70s. Mm. Anyway, by the time I got to the 40s, I got it licked and it speeds up. But as for my anxiety, yeah, it really helps. It's a circuit breaker. It's a really good, solid circuit breaker because you're just focusing your mind elsewhere. You're taking it away from your anxious thoughts and into something, something completely different. It's really helpful. Look, my anxiety is no different than it was the week before. Yeah. So like you're, you know, I'm not going to come up with anything new no. in that respect. You know, it's it's overwhelmed. Yeah. It's having too much to do. Yeah. That was, you know, still a thing this week. Yeah. So when I felt it, mm. I would count down from 100. Uh-huh. And it does take a minute, maybe, maybe 30 seconds, a minute 
And I did get a bit confused at points, but that's a good thing yes, because yes. it's just a distraction. Yeah. That is all it is. Yeah. And then by the time that you've done that, because it's not just a quick 10 second exercise, because it's like 30, to a, 30 seconds to a minute, it's dispersed. It's changed. It's broken something in your thought process. Yeah. It's really clever. Mm. So that was, I just kept doing it. And it was one of those weeks where I was feeling a bit, <gasps> you know, a mm, lot. Mm. Um, I wasn't having the same anxious thoughts as I was that I said last week about my friendships. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, on Saturday, we all went out for a walk and it was really nice. But when we're together, when there's a lot of us together, there's something that makes me a bit panicky is too strong a word. Unsettled? A, li a little unsettled. Mm -hmm. um, and when we were all together, I felt slightly unsettled. Mm. Um, so I did it again. Mm -hmm. I counted back mm -hmm. from 100 whilst we were just walking. And was everyone like, why is Nicole muttering to herself in numbers? <laughs> I wasn't muttering. <laughs> did <laughs> you do it in your do head? Do it now. I'm telling you, it's like a bit like 74, what's next? What's next? What's next? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I couldn't. I was stuck on 79. Did you do it in your head? I did it in my head. Um... And then it was fine. And then my dog decided to leg it in the opposite direction. Uh, why? What did she see? I don't... She sat down. She likes to sit down occasionally. Yeah. Normally, if, if I go too far, she does just mm. then run to me. But she just didn't. And then when I looked back, I think she'd lost sight of me. Right. Because her eyes aren't brilliant. I yeah. don't think dogs' eyes are so brilliant. No. And then I just saw her legging it in the opposite direction. So I literally oh my God. had to sprint. Yeah. It was probably 500 metres. You probably loved it there and you probably timed it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I thought? I actually thought, thank God I sprint a lot. Yeah. I haven't been sprinting recently because of my yeah. injury. Yeah. Anyway, so I leg it. Yeah. I get to her. I get her on the lead. Yeah. And it took me, like I had to calm myself down. Yeah. I was quite out of breath yeah. and had to calm myself down. And I did it then. Mm. And actually it just really controlled my nervous system. It recalibrates basically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then I get back to my friends and my friends said, why, so, why so out of breath? I'm like, I've just oh, literally legged it. I've just found 500 halfway across the bloody park. <laughs> you try doing it. Um, and that was kind of my week. That was, I didn't use the breathing. Or the grounding. Interesting, we did one yeah. each. And I really, really Without like this. Even discussing I really it. like this technique. I have got another voice note, yeah. but it's coming into my learning. Oh, okay. Are so, you ready to summarize? I am. Me too. Yes. Shall I play my voice note? Please. This is kind of what I learned, and it was interesting, and we'll discuss it after. Wow, it, it's been so interesting because if you'd have asked me two weeks ago if I suffer with anxiety, my default response would have been, no, not really, uh, occasionally. And now two weeks later, having given myself the gift, I'm going to call it a gift because I think it is, the gift of looking and, in, and sort of investigating when I get anxious and how to manage it, turns out I do struggle with anxiety but I just push it down a lot of the time but having spoken to Emma and Anna and then giving us practices and me having to kind of look at it it comes up a lot and the first thing I notice is that my I don't get the sensations in my body it's my thought process shifts it shifts into blame or irritated thoughts or 
um, annoyance. And, and that is when I know that my anxiety is in play, my thought process completely shifts. So having had these practices now in my toolbox, it just removes it. And, it, and I get rid of it so much quicker. It's life-changing. Hmm. Mm. Interesting that it goes to your thoughts. Yeah. Mine, I think, goes to my body first, then thoughts after. So where do you get it in your body? My chest. Right. What, you feel like a, a banging in your chest or no, a tightening? I feel like a band is around my chest. Right. I feel a shortness of breath. I sometimes I get a pain in my chest. Wow. Yeah. I think it's really important to notice how your body or your mind responds to it mm. and when it's responding. Mm. And so that it's just a warning light mm. that goes off that you can then say, okay, well, I can use my tools now. I can bring them out. I can count back from 100. Or I can ask, what else am I feeling? Right now. If I yeah. wasn't feeling yeah. anxious, what else yeah. would I be feeling like Emma told us to do? Yeah. We now have really solid tools. Yeah. And we are not very anxious people. Thankfully. Thankfully. But I will speak for myself. I do get anxious some of the time. And to be able to remove it quickly is, it's, it's really supportive and mm. it's really important. Mm. I think, unfortunately, in my case, it is not something that I'm going to be able to remove quickly or deal with quickly. Do you think you get anxious anywhere else? That, that is really the only place I would say I can pinpoint it and it is an acute thing. Um, I don't really think I identify as anxious otherwise. Not, it's not really but I think thing. there's a difference. And I'm pleased that we're going to talk about this, actually. Mm. I think there's a difference between identifying as an anxious person, which mm. I don't, mm. and having anxiety occasionally. Mm. I think the two are different. And I don't identify as an anxious Would you call me an anxious person? Definitely not. But I do get anxious. Mm. And I think there's more people that have that, that fall into that category than anything else. Yes, absolutely sure that's And true. I also think that those people, it's almost a little bit more dangerous for them because it gets ignored a lot more so if you're someone that is a very anxious person you're probably hyper aware of it mm. and hyper in touch with it mm. and and know how to manage it better and other people are probably aware that that's an issue for you as well yes yeah yes and that yeah so I think for people like you and me we could just suck it up, get on with our day, yeah. truck on, as you would say, yeah. and it not really get resolved or looked at. Mm. And, and that can be problematic. Mm. I, I'm, I, I have to be perfectly honest and say I'm not really enjoying the looking at it. <laughs> Obviously. I, I'm not, I don't, because I'm enjoying it, I am finding it useful because it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But the good news is, rather than focusing on it, I actually have something that I can do about it. Mm. I have tools. It's been a very interesting two weeks and two great women with great Thank advice. you. You and me. Thank yeah, you. you <laughs> me. Never mind Emma or Anna. No, they were, they were really inspiring and really wise. And I'm delighted that they've come on into the club on such big shows. And my hope is that something in either of these shows has you know, helped anyone out there who might be listening who is dealing with some anxiety, give them some ideas and tips how they can help themselves. Yeah, and I and I think if you are someone that says you never suffer with anxiety, 
just have a look not to dig stuff up that isn't there but just to be able to uncover what is and to be able to help yourself in a more authentic way yeah absolutely many thanks also to our sponsor for today cocoon weaver you can download the cocoon weaver app today it's free it's completely private and we recommend it we really do it's yeah. been lovely recording our voice notes on yes there, it has actually. and it's very pretty and easy to use and it's helped me organize my thoughts this week nice yeah and we will be back on friday mm-hmm. talking more about anxiety yet more yet more but the good news is Anna's coming back for Challenge of the Week. Yes. So she'll be back for that. Um, so stay tuned. Have a good week. And we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. The Motherkind Podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in our world of pressure, judgment and comparison. I'm your host, Zoe Blasky, and every week I speak to an incredible expert to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Motherkind. Motherkind.